Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Receive the Word today. You ready to receive the Word today? Amen. We've been in a series called We Are the Church. It's our second week. We are the church. And I want to talk about us individually being the church today. So go with me to two places. In 2 sec- in, uh, Corinthians chapter 4 is where we're going to go. Our main text for today, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But last night and on the way in today, I said, I got to show you this. I can quote this to you, but I want you to see it in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So you're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll be there in just a moment. But I want you to see this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. These are two letters written by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul to the church of Corinth. And they they have themes. How many know the Bible have themes throughout the Bible, throughout the letters? And there's a common theme in Corinthians that uh, pertains to us being the church. And what does that mean? What does that look like when you say, I am the church? Paul addresses that and he talks about that in the Corinthians. One scripture, you've heard of John 3.16. Let me give you a new one to memorize. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. See, that's the theme about us being the church. So I want us to see something here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. He says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many are wise according to the flesh, and not many mighty or not many that are noble, that are called. In other words, not too many CEOs or those that may be considered extremely gifted, uh, very, you know, very whatever, the noble people. Paul says, look around and notice those that God has called. They're not, many of them are not noble and mighty according to the standards of the flesh. Look at verse 27. But God has chosen, someone say chosen. He has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Isn't that good news? He's chosen you and I. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul elaborates on this a little bit more deeper. And I love this. There's very common scripture. Verse 7 of chapter 4, 2 Corinthians. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Let me read that again. It's just so good. For we have, someone say we have, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. We are hard pressed on every side. Pastor Steve mentioned this in his exhortation during worship. Had no idea I was preaching on this today. Yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the the dying of the Lord Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. I want to preach a message to you today entitled, Treasure and Trials. Treasure and Trials. 
Come on, can we say our mission statement today? I don't know if anybody has a t-shirt on today. If you don't have one, get one of those after the service today. It's up on the screen. Let's say it real loud. I am the church. I am called to represent Christ and influence others. I am called to make a difference. I'm called to love God and serve people. Amen. Father, have your way today. We love you. We love your presence. And I pray you encourage your body today, your church, your individual church today. Through this message, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may grab a seat. Started out to be just one little simple message, and I was going to say I just have a Give me a couple of minutes of your time. I only have one main point today, but as I begin to let it soak and marinate in my heart, it grew into seven points, and I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to shelf half of this, and how many of you got to save the scraps, amen, as, <laughs> as a pastor? You got to do this every week. You know, I told Melinda, I said, I got to preach again this week? Why can't, why don't they just listen to what I said last week, amen? But I mean, no, that's not the way it goes, every week, and, and I love it because life is changing, isn't it? And we're always moving forward with God, and God's always drawn us into deeper water. As I talked to you last week about the temple and let the river flow, and I talked about the presence of God uh, flowing from the church. And now when I say the church, I want you to understand something. When you read about the church as well, it says on our mission statement, I am the church, and you can, you can simply say it, we are the church, just means the same. Because when you read the word church in the Bible... It means God's global church throughout the whole world. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He means the global church. I mean, there is a global church of Jesus Christ. Thousands of hundreds of thousands of congregations are meeting this morning for worship all around the world. Just the Assemblies of God, which is the world's largest and fastest growing Pentecostal fellowship, has 66 million adherents or something like that. It's amazing how many. That's just the Assemblies of God. That doesn't include, I mean, you're talking Church of God, Church of God of Christ. I mean, all these other Baptists and Evangelicals. Amen. If we all believe that Jesus is the Son of God and He's the way in, how many know that's our brothers and sisters? Amen. We can argue over how to hold the communion cup and who passes out the communion cup, but what's important to me is what you do when you have the cup in your hand and how you understand the cup and why it's in your hand. Amen? So there's not a whole lot of traditions that we get hung up on, and and it's summertime, so I'm comfortable up here preaching, and and I thank God for this church because you're not like that. Amen? You're you're, you're here for the Word. You're here for the presence of God. That's what's important. Amen? So, but anyway, the churches may look different, but that's the global church. And then we have the local church. I mean, when you become a Christian, it's important to attach yourself to a local body. That's what the first thing that the apostles did. The first thing that the church uh, talked about was, was when you became a follower of Christ, you became, you uh, attached yourself to a local church. You came under the umbrella of that, of that authority, of, of that anointing, and to be held accountable. And that's how you grow. That's river of life. And I was just looking at our calendars we've got out for the month of July. We, for those that may not uh, go to the website, may not be that tech savvy, but we're, we're, there's less and less more of that. More and more people are getting more tech savvy. Amen. It's, it's just the way it is. I told uh, Brother Don, I said, hey, brother, did you get my text? He said, text? I said, yeah. I texted you that we're, we were having communion. This was a couple days ago. Which phone? He pulls out two phones. He's got, got an old flip phone. And he said, I'm not getting rid of this. It ain't broke. Amen. Then he had an iPhone. I said, it's right here. And I showed him how to get a text message. You went, oh, look at that. <laughs> Amen. 
He said, I'm going to have to get with my daughters and teach me how to, how to you know, hear it when it goes off because I didn't even hear it. Amen. Well, Brother Don's coming in with it. Amen. And Sister Mary Ban has a cell phone. Amen. She told me. It. Amen. Amen. Technology is, is just coming up. Amen. So we have the website for that. So we do print off these little calendars because some people, even though they are tech savvy, like to pin that up at their house and it kind of tells you the events. But if you look at, and I just looked at it, I said, man, look what, look what you're doing right now, God. Thank you for all the events that you are, were able to do, the Mom Connect, all these, all these awesome things. If you notice on the back of the calendar, we've got five new members that, that graduated from Growth Track. Growth Track is our, yeah, amen. Five new members that come in. Uh, we had 10, sometimes it's, it's two columns. Every month we post new members that went through Growth Track and said, you know what, I want to become uh, uh, you know, attached and, and, and step up my commitment to the local church. And that's amazing. So we, when they go through the Growth Track and that's what happens. And it's just amazing. All the outreaches, and I was writing some of these down, the salvations and the healings. And we had kids that went to camp. We was able to send kids to junior high camp and high school camp. How many kids that went to camp this year? Wave at me over here. Kennedy's one. We had a camp camp counselor that was in my life group Wednesday night and uh, boy Katie was just on fire talking about it's changed my life man and she was just going and going and how she saw so much of 300 kids plus just uh, out riding go-karts and zip lining throughout the day but at night they're running to the altars and they have a saying at camp we play hard to to pray hard and then awesome getting filled with the Holy Spirit and getting on fire for God and so that's awesome we were able to send kids to camp and even have a camp counselor and I can't wait to next year. I'd love for every one of our kids to go to camp. But it's just amazing all these things that we're doing. Supporting missions. And Miranda will be heading up this thing where we are able to not just support missions because we don't just support missions here. We, we do missions. We participate in missions. And so we're going to be in the fall able to go to Detroit and partner with Convoy of Hope and just, just bring healing and bring the river of God and the love of God to thousands, potentially thousands of people in Detroit. Your church is doing that. We're doing that. We are the church. Isn't that amazing? PBS meeting today on top of everything else that's running around. You know, summer we usually kick back and we have life groups and there's not a whole lot going on, but you guys are chomping at the bit. Pastor Reddy, I got a vision for a new ministry. I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm like, okay, okay. And they're having a VBS meeting today to plan on how to evangelize and disciple our, our boys and girls. On and on and on and on. So you got the global church, you got the local church. And here's my message. <laughs> I want to talk about the individual church. That's you. That you, how are you doing? How are you doing? That's what this text is all about. What Paul is talking about uh, our, 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 our vessel. We have the treasure in hidden vessels. And so I want to minister to, to you today as individual churches. Your individual churches today. You represent God everywhere you go. You have the spirit of God in you. And so Paul begins to talk about how we, uh, what a privilege it is for us to be clay pots, jars of clay, one translation says. There used to be a band, Christian band called Jars of Clay. How many remember that? Jars of Clay. Amen. Yeah. And uh, so Jars of Clay. And, and he just talks about what a privilege it is that God would use little common pots of clay to put his treasure in. And so we're going to get to the trials in a minute, but let me tell you something. Don't let the trials rob you of the joy of having treasure. 
Don't let the trials rob you of the fact that you are awesome in the eyes of God, that he's put his treasure in you. You know, I grew up in, in Ecorse and, and in the inner city, and I saw this even when I had my delivery route in, into Detroit and got to know some of the families and the, the, the receivers and the managers and the store owners. And been down there for 15 years. You build relationships, and you, and you see this, and they were coaching interleague uh, sports and all these things. And, and, but there's this thing in, in, in the inner city that you just... You kind of grow up seeing a lot of bad things, and you grow up seeing a lot of, there's a lot of violence and a lot of trouble and a lot of issues. And I remember when drugs hit, when crack cocaine hit Detroit in the 80s, it totally changed Detroit. It totally changed Ecorse. One of my friends who uh, used to live on Visigar and 19th Street, he says you could actually smell crack cocaine in the air in the, in the early 1980s. So that's just how we, we were raised and how the neighborhood was back in those days. And the gangs came in and the, just everything was so different. Well, there's this thing that you have when you grow up in the inner city that you just keep hoping things will get better. You just keep hoping things will get better. And as you get older, things really don't get any better. So you try to get out. You try to find ways to get out of the inner city. You try, you try to find some, some talent and something that is special about you. And you try to be special. So some try to, be, uh, try to make, it, make it out of the ghetto by you know, getting into the music industry. And I have some friends trying to drop a CD. And you know they get into that. And one of my friends actually made it kind of big. He, he, he did. He, dropped, he got a CD. I got a little label and all that and so some some go in, into the music industry and and want to rise above everyone else because they want to be special and some go into the sports area and they, that's their way out that they're going to be uh, awesome athletes and I heard one of our one of the NFL teams is holding um, the NFL's holding walk-on tryouts in two locations this year and that's, and that's awesome many thousands <laughs> one of my friends is probably going to show up he's always wanted that to happen for the Detroit Lions amen I said dude you're 40 something years I could still do it. Throw me the ball. I throw this football over that mountain. He's one of them guys. But uh, trying to find a way out, and, and so and you try to find a really good job. Maybe that's the way out, and whatever it is. But there's this thing, and so you you're raised with this in your mindset of, I got to be special. What am I special about? Uh, what's my special talents and abilities? And we, we try to be different and better. And, and, and you know, I, there's some good in that, but a lot of times it's bad. And then you come to find out, you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is a total opposite of what you've been taught. And I read it to you today. You find out that God is interested in just common people. You find out that God is looking for just common people, people that are just ordinary. God is looking for those. And it's the scripture I read to you, it's not that noble and, and people that are very accomplished or come from affluent families cannot be saved. That's not what he's saying there because there were many that were very educated and very affluent. The apostle Paul is one of them. Jesus had rugged fishermen. A couple of them were, but he also called Matthew a tax collector. And if you read Acts 13, the leadership of the Antioch church were very noble people. He even had Herod's grandson who was raised in, in the family of the Herods, very political, very educated, very accomplished. But what Paul is saying is that God, it's not that God doesn't choose um, very noble and, and people like that. It's just those kinds of people have a hard time uh, break, being broken and humbling themselves so God, here it is, can put his treasure in us. 
God is attracted to brokenness. God is attracted to ordinary, regular people. So when I got saved, he totally messed me up. I finally quit trying to be better than everybody and and trying to think that it's all about being good on the outside and, and focused on the fact that God has put his treasure on the inside. God looks for common people. Look at your Bible. There's nothing real special about David. David was the youngest of a whole family. In fact, his dad didn't even recognize him as being special, would not even let him compete, not even have a chance to be the next king. He let him out back just uh, watching over the few sheep. He was very ordinary. There was nothing special about him. There was nothing, if I'm honest with you, there was nothing special about the little sling that he used. That's a child's toy. There was nothing special about a sling, nothing special about a stone. But when God is in the stone, when God is in the sling, when God is in the shepherd boy, come on somebody, when his treasure is in the common, then you become uncommon. When your tre- his treasure is in the ordinary, you'll be able to do extraordinary things. Can anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? That's why you have singing. That is really good. And then you have anointed singing. Some folks can sing and it's like pretty good. Other people sing and man, it don't matter what song, tears are rolling down your face or what it is. It's the treasure that is in them. And through brokenness, his power comes out. Woo. Some people can preach and they read the word of God and they just read and recite. Others preach under the anointing and it takes off. Some people can pray and it sounds like everybody needs to take a nap because they're praying. Amen. Then you hear other people pray and they're calling heaven down and heaven's coming down. And and, and man, it's just amazing. What's the difference? It's nothing in them. They're just common, ordinary people. But it's his treasure that he put in us. So that's what Paul is doing in the whole first part of the, of the whole letters there is that he's reminding us what a privilege it is that God would select common people. People like us, select, he selects churches. Look at our church, just a little church out here in rural uh, America in Belleville. And we just, some people would think that it's just, you know, we'll pass it by. But man, we hear it all the time. They, they come to this place. Some from the moment they get onto the parking lot, they feel something different. Why? Because Because it's not the 870 Savage Road address. It certainly isn't the plywood or the paneling up here. And I know it's not those chandeliers that's driving me crazy. It's not that this room gets so hot because it gets so full. What is it? It's the treasure, the anointing, the very presence of God that flows from this place. You got me preaching loud this morning. I'm sorry to get excited, but I love the fact that God would pick me from Southwest Detroit and say, I want to use you. I'm going to put you in Honduras. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you through here. I'm going to put you through Bible training, Bible school, have you preach everywhere. I'm even going to let you be a chaplain. <laughs> telling you from criminal to chaplain, it's common number one bestseller. I was on the phone with Novi, the city of Novi's chaplain, and Man, it's a long story. I want to get into this. This is just my introduction. I do only got one point today. Amen. And I was on the phone with him. He's like, oh, Pastor Eddie, you know, I'm so-and-so. And I do the train because I got to go through this training. And, and he's telling me about being a chaplain in the city of Novi and, and, and all the responsibilities that comes with the, being a chaplain. And I was like, oh, man, he's telling me about the, the organization that he's affiliated with. We had a long call t- conversation with him. It's called the ICPC. You don't need to remember that, but it's a chaplain, the largest uh, 
chaplain uh, agency, and he's just all, it's amazing how we connected. He's also a pastor. He said, it's amazing that you would call, we would talk, have this conversation, because I'm just now getting ready to leave for a week-long training, and when I'm coming back, I'm able to train people. And it's just amazing, your timing is right on. And we talk, hung up the phone, I get another phone call from these Summies of God headquarters in Springfield. It's like, and you, you get nervous, you don't know what that call is. And he's like, hey, brother, my name is Mike. I'm the head chaplain of these Summies of God, and I just want to connect with you and, and heard about you becoming a chaplain. And I want to tell you that we got a program called the ICPC that you need to find out someone in your local area that is a representative of it, and they can train you and teach you. I said, I just got off the phone with him. He said, what's his name? I said, his name is Mike. He said, Mike Zurich. I said, yeah. He goes, I'm getting ready to meet him in Kentucky. Man, this is amazing how this is all coming together. I said, he says, you must have some favor. I said, it's not me. It's the treasure of God that he's just put into me. Same way with you. Same way with you. It's the treasure that God, he picks ordinary people. He looks for ordinary. So quit trying to be so uncommon. Be yourself. Be, be happy with who you are. Because it's not about who you are. It's about who's in you. It's not about doing. It's about being. And when you are in Christ, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen. I wish I could preach on that all day, but we're going to turn the corner. Are you ready to turn the corner? He turns the corner in chapter 4, verse 7, by saying that one scripture, he just, all that I just preached was from one scripture, how you are treasure in common vessels, and how wonderful of a message that is. He switches gears. Look at verse 8. He says, he goes from verse 7 saying, so that the power of God may be seen through you because you're just clay pots. Clay pots, by the way, in the ancient world, according to Pastor Mason, said they, they used ancient pots in the, in the old world, in the old ancient world, in the bathroom. So that, that's as, as uncommon as you can get. And so that's what, when Paul is writing this, that's what in their world, that's what, that's what they're understanding, that God would choose something like that to put something so precious as his spirit and his presence into. Paul's reminding them of that. Why? Because it's getting ready to turn the heat up right here. Seriously. Someone turn the heat on. No, he's reminding us of that because look what he's getting ready to do. After that one verse, without any warning. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. So what Paul the apostle does here is he enlarges, listen, he enlarges the theme of his, of, of, being, of the privilege, and he enlarges the theme of his power to include suffering. Yeah. Do you see that? He goes, what a privilege it is. You've been called to be carriers of his treasure. And then without a therefore and, without any kind of a conjunction there, he goes right into, you're hard pressed on every side. You're, you're perplexed but not abandoned. You're struck down but not destroyed. Why? Why is he saying this? Because we need to expect that trials come with the treasure. Yeah. Yeah. Trials come with the treasure. Please hear me today. Jesus never promised that we would all be rich. 
Jesus never promised that we wouldn't be betrayed. He never promised that we wouldn't have unexpected setbacks. He never promised that that wouldn't happen. He never promised that one day you'd wake up with a pain on your side and next thing you know, your lung would collapse and you'd end up in the emergency for two weeks needing a major surgery and you didn't have medical insurance and you have a $130,000 medical bill that you had to pay and loving God the whole time just to get that finally resolved miraculously just to go home and find out your, your sewer backed up and you've got no water for a month. <laughs> treasure? Where's that treasure? Where's that treasure, Pastor Eddie? And if you don't get a hold of what I'm saying, soon as a trial hits, you begin to doubt the very goodness of God. But you need to change your perspective and know something, that the enemy only attacks the, what is a threat to him. That's why the church of Jesus Christ is the only thing on earth that you will see the enemy attacking. Can I get into football with you real quick? If you don't like football, just turn me off for 30 seconds. Come on, guys. Football's only seven weeks away, but who's counting? And anyway, when the Detroit Lions had Calvin Johnson, he stepped on the field. If they had Pettigrew on the field, and everybody was like, hey, you better put a guy on him. You know, he's going to drop it anyway. But when Calvin Johnson, when number 80, Megatron, stepped on the field, I was there to watch it. And you saw two guys. He would draw two cornerbacks over on him. I even saw when we finally made it to the playoffs at New Orleans Saints, there is a God. The announcer said, look what happens. He stopped the, the little thing that he did, the old John Madden. I remember John Madden. He used to write on that, oh, I'll tell you back in the day. Anyway, he's like, uh, this, was, this was Coach Gruden, who now coaches the, the Raiders. Pray for him. He, he, he circled. He said, I want to draw you, your attention to something. Even if you don't understand football, he said, let me draw your attention to something. Here's one guy, the Detroit Lions, Calvin Johnson. He's one guy. Notice they've got three defenders. It looks like a punt return formation. New Orleans put three dudes on Kelvin. Why? Because he was that big of a threat. They want to make sure he's not getting the ball. Guess what? Stafford, best quarterback in the league. Kind of ish. Anyway, come on, where's your faith? He's got a cannon, guys. Some of you still think Joey Harrington was the guy. Anyway, so Stafford threw the ball and what a Megatron. With three defenders, he was able to go up and grab the ball. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Amen. It was those other guys that fumbled and cost it this game. Here's the point. The enemy only attacks. Listen, what is a threat to him? That's why Jesus never promised we wouldn't have tribulation. In fact, listen, he promised we would have tribulation. Why? Because the enemy is after your treasure. He's after your treasure. What is your treasure? Your treasure in this whole chapter talks about the spirit of God, but the treasure gets put there when one humbles ourselves and begins to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then the veil is taken away. The light shines in and God puts that treasure in you. And for the rest of your life, the enemy is after your faith. He's after. That's why when trials hit, he'll say, where's God now? Where is God now? That's why most of Jesus' message was all about trials and persecution. He says, you're going to have persecution. In fact, he said, because they hated me, they're going to hate you. Let me just give you a little perspective about your trial. Right now, the global church, as I mentioned earlier, in an average month, 300 Christians are killed for just being a Christ follower. In an average month. On an average month, 200 churches will be burned. 
Over 800 followers of Christ will be falsely accused of crimes. They will be raped and beaten all because of their faith. Now, sometimes God intervenes. Absolutely. There are times there are miraculous events and interruptions that we hear from our missionaries all the time when they had the family down and had the gun to the back head of the missionary. Happens all the time. Not just in some old movie. It happens right now. Go to these missions conventions. One of our pastors said, if you ever get discouraged, go and read a biography, an autobiography of one of our missionaries. And he started telling some of these stories, and I thought my trial was big and bad because I didn't have water for 30 days and because I had a, had a pain. And I'm not you know, belittling some of our issues because that was kind of serious, but compared to what some of these other people are facing in the world today, it could always be worse. I saw this little meme on Facebook, and it had a guy breaking out of prison, and he's, he's got a little shovel, and he's scooping a little tunnel out of, the, out of the penitentiary. He's in his little striped outfit, and the tunnel goes over here, and he's just one stroke away from tapping into a septic tank, and it says, it could always be worse. <laughs> Those things just make me laugh. You got to learn to laugh at life sometimes. Sometimes God intervenes, he does. You hear these missionaries talk about the gun didn't go off or all of a sudden they had a change of heart. But most of the time, what God does, what I find in the book, even in the book of Acts, when they were being persecuted, James was beheaded. Can you imagine mom and dad sending your son to be mentored by this new sect called Christianity, and he grows in this faith, and he's becoming a powerful man of God. He gets arrested by Herod, and then they chop his head off. Could you imagine? That's what James's mother and father had to deal with. But then the same prison, Peter's in the same prison, but an angel appears and lets Peter go. Why did my baby have to die, but that man got to go? People get all offended at God. I say, read your Bible. You're getting offended at God because you don't read that book. Because that book, when you read that, you're like, whoa, whoa, this really happens. Sometimes God will deliver us out of it. Hear what I'm about to say. Other times, and I would say most of the time, he simply just gives you the grace to endure it. Why? Because his power is made perfect in your weakness. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, John. Paul had a thorn. He said, God, deliver me from this thorn. The only one in the Bible that prayed to deliver. The early church never prayed that God would stop Herod from persecuting them. You'll never read that in Acts. Instead, you'll read when they gathered around in a circle, joined hands and said, oh, God. Oh, God, shake this world for you. If I got to give my life for it, then I'll do it. And in one place, in Acts 5, it says they were beaten with rods for sharing their faith, and they went away rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. Amen. What? Oh, my gosh. Newsflash. Everything I'm saying is a newsflash because this is not out there today, but it's in your Bible. There are times God delivers you. Yes, he delivered me from that pain, and I was able to get my hospital bills covered. I was able to get, they dug up my backyard and put a new sewer, and that thing flushes fine. Glory to God. Never been so happy in praying the Holy Spirit when that toilet began to flush. Go a month without it. 
There are times that God does intervene, but there are other times when he just simply gives you the grace to endure. Paul said, when I had the understanding that when people see me and I'm all beautiful and my talents and I'm so good at what I do, you begin to take glory for yourself. Paul said, I learned this when I'm uh, uncommon and ordinary and when I'm weak, that people look at you and say, I don't know how you're making it. And you say, I'm making it because his treasure is in me. God said, then I get the glory. Paul said, so from now on, I'm going to pray for more trials. I'm going to pray for more affliction. I'm going to pray for more persecution. Why? Because people's going to see me and say, how in the world are you making it? And they're going to, and I'm going to say it's because of God and he gets the glory. So what I'm saying to you that if you are the church, it means be thankful you have the treasure, but be expecting that the trials are going to come as well. So put this one thought, I got one point today. It's probably one of the most powerful points I've ever made on this subject. Put it deep into your theology. And it simply is this. Prosperity doesn't prove that God loves us. And adversity doesn't mean he's forsaken us. That's what this whole text is about. That the prosperity of God doesn't prove that he loves us. No more than when you go through adversity does it mean that he's forsaken us? This is what happened when Job lost everything. Job lost everything. And his friends came to him and said, you're really going through it. You must be in sin. How many have some friends like that? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) If you were holy, you wouldn't be going through some of that. That's actually out there. It was a common theme if you were sick that you were in sin or demon-possessed. Every time you had a sickness, this boy was blinded. And the disciples said, Jesus, did his mom sin or did his grandfather sin? Who sinned that this boy is blind because he's just a child? Why would he be born crippled and handicapped and blind? Tell me, explain me. So it's got to be because the family sinned. And Jesus said, no, have you not read? This is a fallen world, number one. But he said, this boy's condition is that way so he can give glory to God. He can give glory to God. How? By either, and he healed the boy and he gave him a miracle so that his eyes can see. Whether or not a miraculous miracle can take place in your bodies, I've learned that even through suffering, if God chose to leave me blind, if I will serve him even being blind, people will see that God will get the glory and he will be exalted. They go, how are you doing it? It's because I'm not going to get bitter and resent God, but instead I'm going to give glory to God. So that happens for that reason. And so Job, let me just show you this about Job. They begin to say you must be in sin and even his own wife. Now watch this. And Job said, then his wife said to him, do you still hold to your integrity to God? Curse God and die. But he said, you speak as a foolish woman. Shall we only accept the good from God and not accept adversity? And all these things Job would not sin with his lips. <laughs> Come on. He said, what's up, my woman? I'm going through this. Or what, what are we only serving God when things are good now? Are we only giving God praise when we don't have a, a problem? Is that the way this Christianity is supposed to work? He said, Homie, that, honey, that's probably why you stay home every Sunday because you haven't heard the other part of the message is that adversity will come. Trials will come. Persecution will come. I'm struck down, but I'm not abandoned. I'm cru- but I'm not, I'm not abandoned. I'm not struck down. I'm not left alone. And I'm going to give God the glory no matter what season that I'm in. Because if I have the treasure, 
I'm going to have the trials. And I'm not going to thank God just for the treasure. I'm going to thank God for the trials. I'm going to thank. Have you learned to thank God for the trials? Persecution never hurts anyone's faith. It only makes it grow stronger. What do you mean by that? I've seen some people go through something and they walk away from God. Yeah, because their faith was tested. What do the scriptures says? Count it all joy when your faith is tested like gold going through, refined, through the fire. What happens to pure gold when it goes through fire? It becomes more pure. What happens to fake gold when it goes through the fire? It melts. Same thing happens to your faith. When we're just serving God because, God, I want you to give me a new house. I want you to give me a new car. I want you to give me that boyfriend. I want you to give me that girlfriend. And I've seen it being in ministry, being a youth pastor for 11 years. I would see kids come to my youth group and be on fire for God, bringing their Bible, worshiping, praying, and the whole time just wanting to date one of the girls in the group. As soon as they get a boyfriend, it's amazing. They backslide and you can't even see them. And here's the thing I say to myself, if they only knew if they would serve God the same way they were doing to get that girl, if they were just doing it because they simply love God, he would have given them an awesome girl and an awesome guy. Mic drop. Seriously. It's amazing how we just try to Serve God and when times are good. I'm telling you, if you're going through a trial right now, be encouraged. It's because you got treasure. And lastly, I want to tell you this, that the trials, only la- trials are only temporary, but the treasure is eternal. Amen. And this is what Paul says in the same chapter, verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles. Oh, he must be belittling. My, he must not have went through what I went through. Oh, Paul went through a whole lot. There's a movie out. Watch that movie on the Paul, on Paul the Apostle. It's really accurate on how much suffering that man, been beaten with rods three times. You ever been hit with a rod? He was beaten with rods that bruised your bones. That's why they did that three times. He was with the cat of nine tails upon his back. 39 stripes. The law says don't beat no one with the stripes 40 times. So they would do, that's why it says 40 minus one. They would beat you 39 times because they didn't want to break the law. They were so religious. Even though they were beating an innocent man. Don't get me going on that. He was shipwrecked. He called himself the, the lowest and the scum of the earth. They thought he was suicidal and he had low self-esteem. No, he didn't. He just had an eternal mindset. He, re- he realized that he didn't focus on the trials. He was focused on the treasure. And he said, what I'm going through is just momentary uh, compared to the eternal glory that will outweigh them all. Because it's not always going to be this way. I'm not always going to suffer. I'm not always going to be struck down. I'm not always going to be in pain. I'm not always going to be feeling this way. My day's coming as long as I keep this treasure in my life. Come on, will you stand with me today? Hallelujah. So I wanted to end it with some good news by telling you that the trial is temporary, but the treasure is eternal. Come on, let, this, let these words that come from the word today soak in your heart. Right? Just lift your hands to them right now. Holy Spirit, thank you. We thank you that you would choose us. Just common jars of clay we are so fickle we are so fragile one minute we're up one minute we're down you see all of our frailties as the psalmist said you'd see my frame that I am but flesh 
who is God that he would take an interest in me? But you have chosen us. Father, help us to be grateful for the treasure. And if there's anyone here that's going through a trial, I want you to know, don't get depressed. Don't don't think God has left you. Don't think God has left you. No, he's just perfecting your faith. Take it from me. I did not want to spend two weeks in the hospital. There were times I was praying, laying hands on my side. Man, I've been motorcycle accidents, 2009, slid 50 feet, cracked my helmet. Why did that happen? I'm going to work in the morning trying to provide for my family. And this guy's been out partying all night. And I, I almost lose every, I lost everything because of that accident. Why did this happen? I mean, I can hand a microphone, surely to my mom and dad who have been serving the Lord forever. My mom used to say, they call me Charcoal Brown. I've been burned in the fire so much. She's like, Charcoal, she's been burned. She's been through it. What am I saying? It's, it's a part of it. And we can focus all we want on the trials. But I'm, and Paul is reminding us that we have the treasure in us. And many times that's why the enemy's attacking. The season will end. It will, it will be, it will come to an end. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands to him right now. Jesus. I'm not going to end with a song. I've been ending with a lot of songs lately. I don't know what it's been, but I don't really have one today. I want you to sing one to God right now. Pastor Steve, I don't know if he's got one that will fit right now, but let's, we got a couple minutes yet. Let's just end this with a song right now and worship, end it in worship. Hallelujah. Yes. Come on, clay pots. Worship, worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to open these altars. If you need prayer, I want to invite you to come up. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. Anything to do with this service or anything, maybe you're going to meet with a doctor this week and you just want prayer, come on up. We got our our leaders are here. We'll pray for you today if you need prayer. So as we sing, if you need prayer, come on up today. Amen. I'm going to dismiss this in just a moment. Hallelujah. But come if you need prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Mom and Dad, will you help me pray? Amen. Start praying. Come on, if you need prayer, come on, Pastor John, would you come up and help me? If you need prayer, come on out of your seat. Get prayer today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's God's anointing. It's just clay pots, laying hands on clay pots today. It's the treasure that's in us. Hallelujah. Touch, 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 Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Strength come. Strength come, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is 
faithfulness faithfulness is this that he won't put on you more than you're able to endure you may be hot you may be going through some trials like the scripture says you're struck down but you're not abandoned you're hard pressed on every side you ever been there hard pressed on every side but watch this but not crushed the world gets crushed the world will experience despair God promises even though we're, we're hard-pressed, we're struck down, we're not going to be crushed, we're not going to be abandoned. That's good news. Father, I just thank you for your presence today in this room and through your word that is so sweet and so powerful. Thank you for the truth today. That your prosperity doesn't prove you love us and adversity doesn't mean you've forsaken us. Father, let that go deep into our hearts today. Comfort your people your clay pots today. Let us be reminded, not of the clay, but let us be reminded of the treasure that is in us. And I bless your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.